Love this podcast? Support this show through the Acast Supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give and there's no regular commitment. Just hit the link in the show description to support now. On this episode of Big Boys Don't Cry, we discuss the film Harry and Meghan, A Royal Romance. You don't have to have seen the film to enjoy the podcast, as to be honest, it's pretty terrible, and it's based on true events, which you probably know of anyway, but just in case, you should be aware that this podcast contains spoilers for the film Harry and Meghan, A Royal Romance. Please enjoy. Hello. Hello. Sorry I'm late. That's unlike that is, me, I know. That is quite all right. You were cooking something. I was. Just chicken and croquettes. Nothing special. Chicken's always special. But, you know, you need you need to spend time on a croquette, don't you? You know, you, you do. You, you do. always need a few minutes more than it says on the packet to get if you, if you want it to be sort of that nice level of crispy crunch. Yeah, you, if you want that crisp, because you, you need the crisp on the outside and fluffy on the inside, um, which always takes a little bit longer than than is expected from a croquette. Yeah. Um, so, yeah. So, I, I understand completely, Paddy. I know where you're coming from. I, you're I, a, you're I a croquette fan? I am a croquette fan. They're not my favorite, but I do enjoy a croquette. I, I, I feel like you can't have them too often. Yeah, this is the first time I've had them in at least a month, I'm sure. I don't. I don't know and what I, prompted it. It's just. It's sometimes it's croquette time. Exactly. Yeah. And I, I think like once a month maximum. I think is the level of croquette goodness. Yeah. Um, you can't have them too often. Do you think um, they go well with gammon? Of course, they go well with gammon. Um, <laughs> the the only things that don't go well with gammon are online discussions. Uh, yeah, which, which and... never goes down well with the gammon. Yeah. Endless distracting media coverage of whether gammon is a racist term, as has happened this week. We have hit <laughs> hashtag peak, peak gammon. We have hit. So peak of gammon. course we have to talk about that. We do. We're so back on our bullshit. <laughs> this is this is like on brand for us, really, Paddy. Um, yeah. Because because it's it's funny, really, isn't it? That um, there's so much injustice and so much racism in the UK and worldwide. Yet the likes of Jeremy Vine have decided that the main discussion point at the moment is whether the online term, the niche, funny online term gammon is racist. Um, and, and you know, it's a very complex, uh, very complex discussion over whether it's racist. No, it isn't. It's not racist, you idiots. Um, <laughs> yeah, very gammon, complex gammon... because there are a lot of different types of, of pig meat that could enter into the scenario. You know. <laughs> they all Cru. come from a wonderful, magical animal. <laughs> Um, but but gammon, uh, I'm just laying it out here. In, in case anyone from a traditional newspaper or anyone who works for BBC Radio or BBC News is listening in, um, and and you know still isn't sure whether gammon is a racist term or not, uh, let me let me put it down for you here. Uh, gammon specifically relates to angry racist people. The parameter is not whether you're white or not. I mean, gammon are always white because they're racist white people from the uk um but what causes someone to become a gammon is that you are angry about something and you're racist about something so much so that you become a gammon in a shirt 
<laughs> and that's what it means. That's what it means, everybody. Come on. Stop fooling yep. around. Let's um, break it down for you. Let's slice it up for you. Yeah. It's just a joke term to describe red-faced English racists. It's not racist. And you don't need to entertain the notion like that, like pandering to people on the right who go, oh, no, anti-fascists are the real fascists. You don't have to listen to that shit. You don't have to give it, it airtime. It genuinely feels as though, right? Don't, don't you think, Paddy, that it genuinely feels as though the, the British news discourse is slowly descending into the worst aspects of the American discourse in terms of pandering to racist, stupid people. Um, and and this is not classist. You get racist, stupid people of every kind of class in the UK. Yeah, I mean, in the fact, ultimate I'd say gammon, the ma- gammon is Nigel Farage. Yeah, right? I'd, in, I'd say that most gammon are, are middle class or upper middle class. It's not so much lower middle class. And, and, and this can get into a whole discussion about whether the traditional ideas of, of class structure in the UK uh, still exist. If you, if or ca- can it. easily be mapped onto different types of meat and the levels of expense. <laughs> yeah, who's who's roast beef? Who's gammon? <laughs> who's who's a pork loin? Um, it's it's a it's a difficult subject to put, have. Put my hand up right now and say I'm a beautiful lamb. <laughs> you are a beautiful lamb. Um, I'm 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 a nice uh, turkey steak. That's what I am. Mm, yeah, lean, kind of tasty. You'd look good in breadcrumbs. <laughs> <laughs> I always look good in breadcrumbs. <laughs> yeah, um, but it just it just really makes me laugh when like kind of yeah, the news cycle at the moment seems to be the mainstream news outlets get hold of something that's on the internet that's quite niche or has been blown up for whatever reason. Like last week we were talking about incels because they had gotten a lot of media coverage or a lot of people who work for BBC News had heard the term for the first time and were now trying to understand it and explain it to a lot of other people in their audience who hadn't heard it before. Um, you know, but also whilst also kind of giving them airtime as well. And that's then the same thing has happened with the term gammon. And it's just it's kind of strange, isn't it? Yeah, it's really weird. And and it all comes down to sort of like wanting to molly, uh, mollycoddle and look after and protect these these awful human beings because they're scared of what they do if they like like the, the B- BBC radio, Jeremy Vine, why is he actually discussing whether gammon is a racist term um is it down to the fact that it's going to anger up his audience that he wants to protect probably um and that's what it comes down to don't treat these people like a bunch of kids they're not they're like 40 50 year old men treat them with the children treat them with the contempt they deserve you wouldn't have seen people doing this like pulling this shit in the past trying to protect these people no but you know why? Because there weren't any royal weddings for quite a while, and now there is one coming up. And you know, and the gammon gammons love a royal wedding, don't they? Yeah, but they might not like this one um, oh, for because, reasons that um, definitely aren't racist. They might not like it because did you know uh, this is? I think I didn't know until I watched this week's film, which is Harry and Meghan: A Royal Romance. Um, Meghan Markle is the only ever person to be mixed race. Did you know that? <laughs> Um, it is true. Uh, uh, she is the only person ever to be mixed race. Um, but I, I do find it interesting, right? Um, so Harry and Meghan, a royal romance. This movie has a whole lot of nonsense in it. But also, I think it's vastly superior to um, Wills and Kate, a royal do, romance. Do you actually? Wow. I do. I think it is vastly inferior. I thought it was much, much worse because... It took itself a lot more seriously. 
I, I felt like it took itself more seriously and that Wills and Kate, they kind of knew they were making a cheapo film. So they got cheaper actors, cheaper sets and a lot of things where it felt like they didn't really care. Whereas with this one, I felt like they put a lot more effort into it, but still made a, a, you know, a real thundering turd of a film. See, for me, um, I think they jumped the shark deliberately even more so. So I think Wills and Kate, they knew they were making a piece of crap and they decided, you know what, we don't need the budget for this. We'll we'll just make it. And and Wills and Kate is so unbelievably boring and all the characters are unbelievably boring. Whereas with, with Harry and Meghan, a royal romance, I think they knew what they were doing here and they were really trying to make a a terrible over-the-top cheesy movie with all of these ridiculously heavy-handed metaphors and all of these ridiculously overwrought themes for and a movie multiple about a lion attacks and multiple well there's no lion attacks well, is there but there, there's the potential for lion attacks yeah multiple um, sustained moderate lion threat <laughs> sustained lion threat and yeah so for so for me i feel like this movie was much more entertaining because i think they they really doubled down on the rubbish and really sort of plowed ahead with it and made something even more stupid and even more entertaining like if you if you if you look at this movie and you look at wills and kate harry and megan a royal romance right it has much less time spent sitting around doing nothing this movie jumps all over the place really quickly. It doesn't jump to good places, but at least it jumps to somewhere. And then you get something stupid that happens and you move on. So so I, I was not bored watching this movie, whereas I was very bored watching Wills and Kate the movie. Yeah, but I think it's boring in a funny way because you're like, why do we need this scene? Like, I, I, th- I think the inclusion of pointless things always is more likely to make me laugh than a film that's all over the place with like trying to shoehorn in loads and loads of like plot devices and clunky metaphors and stuff. I think, yeah, it's it's a, an interesting comparison because I think the story of Wills and Kate is so much more rooted in the kind of university coming of age story, whereas Harry and Meghan's one is more about them trying to dig up shit from their past. And I think it just felt a bit scummy that, you know, digging through like Meghan's past and stuff, obviously, it just it felt... Because they were taking it so seriously, all that stuff just felt like tabloid reportage more so than like a, a film that is funny and bad. Because with Wills and Kate, it wasn't really, there was no, no salacious elements really or anything. It was all manufactured. You were just able to sort of laugh at their at their bad acting and stuff. Whereas this one, it was it tried to be too serious and See, it, it I, kind of I, put me off. I disagree. I don't think it's trying to be serious. I, I don't... I, don't with it, whenever, I, I only they... mean that within the framework of a lifetime made for tv movie you know that was literally made in like the script was written in two weeks you know i only mean that within that that has to be highly contextualized but but i i I even disagree in terms of it having a more serious gravitas to it than wills and kate the movie i think wills and kate came in in a much more serious manner in terms of making a legitimate like nice lifetime movie whereas this i think they really went for something stupid deliberately i think you're deliberately disagreeing with me to try and get me to re-watch wills and kate to prove <laughs> to prove a point <laughs> i think there's much more of a nod and a wink in harry and Meghan a royal romance the fact that it starts with the suggestion that princess diana was resurrected as a lion um <laughs> so I think that's so good actually i think that says a that... lot about it that was just very, very good and quite offensive and strange. <laughs> They're like, what? 
Also, when um, later on in the film, when he goes back to... It opens with him in Africa as a boy, just after Princess Diana has died. And um, Prince Charles, who is even less like Prince Charles than the Prince Charles in Wills and Kate, um, like takes takes his two boys down and they're all reflecting and whatever. And Harry runs off because he's angry. Like, literally, he gets one line in. Charles just says something innocuous and he's like... I'm angry because my mum's just died. I'm going to run away now. And then he runs away. And then there's like a lion that creeps up on him. And then it turns out it's it's fine and the lion's fine. And then later when he goes back as an adult with Megan, they encounter a lion in the same manner. Like, did you think we were supposed to believe it was the same lion? No, I don't think you're supposed to think it is the same lion. Right. But I do think you're supposed to believe that it's sort of like this energy that's keeping, you know, it, it, it's it's the overarching metaphor slash resurrection of diana so slash maybe tribute to the lion king slash tribute to the lion king there's a lot of lion king references in this movie as well <laughs> surprising amount of lion king references. Yeah. um yeah but i mean i mean just, just think about it this way paddy right it starts with in terms of this movie being serious it starts with princess diana's being resurrected as a lion um, along with, and this is going to sound very cruel, but the the little kid who plays Harry is a really bad actor. I don't know if it's like the the son of someone who was on the crew or something like that, but god damn, that's a terrible kid actor. Um, yeah, pull your socks so, up, nine year old kid. <laughs> yeah, come on. Why didn't they hire me? I could have played that role. Just, you would have been, been on my knees it. and been like, I'm angry, Harry. And um, then I could have played the lion. You could have played the lion, or you could have played Prince Charles. Put I would ball, love to. I would actually in. love to play Prince Charles in a film. That'd be awesome. Oh, get get in touch with the Crown when the Crown reaches that part. You could play him. Yeah, um, the part where he grows a beard and gets into baseball. <laughs> yeah, well, that's a very important part of his life. Um, yeah, but yeah, yeah. So, so in, in terms of what happens in this movie, you have Princess Diana is resurrected as a lion. You have. <laughs> Harry decides that he wants to overthrow the monarchy. There was a genuine line in this film, which is, it's all to do with this damn institution and it shouldn't exist anymore. And it's like, whoa, Harry's gone anti-monarchy. Um, yep. There's there's all of these ridiculously over-the-top things. There's no way that they went into this movie thinking, yeah, let's make a really serious film. And, and it comes from um, the director of Kid Althood. Um Interesting. So I did so, not know that, and I have not seen that. Carry so, on. And, and and this the 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 guy who directed Kid Althood, uh Menhaj Huda, he he's done a fair bit of stuff, mainly like television type things. So he's done quite a lot of Coronation Street episodes. Right. Um, so he knows how to like sensationalize and do it in a way that sort of because because no one watches a soap thinking that it's serious. They do no. it. They do it um, knowing that it's a pastiche of itself. Um. And um, and so yeah, I I think this movie, it's almost like it's it's not a satire of, um, it's not a satire of these kind of movies, but it's deliberate deliberately playing up to the tropes that Lifetime movies have, um, and and I think it does it in a very funny way. I I I never want to watch this film again. By the way, that that the extent <laughs> of my the the extent of my enjoyment of this film does not last to repeat viewings but i certainly because yeah, you're, you're kind of singing its praises here yeah. i i certainly enjoyed this a lot more than i enjoyed wills and kate the movie interesting because i i felt like as well that it was trying 
it tried too hard to be woke about everything and to kind of shoehorn in sort of vaguely political points about her race or about the monarchy being dated or as there's a scene where like young prince harry now that he has a mixed race girlfriend and he's woke that he decides to harangue two old ladies one of whom is wearing some kind of offensive brooch which you know is fair enough but it just felt so crowbarred in and i felt like the the forced wokeness just really put me off that that kind of out outperformed the humorous nod and a wink part side of it for me Oh yeah, that that kind of scene would never happen. Um, so at, at this, it's it's at um, Pippa Middleton's ma- uh, wedding, isn't it? Yeah. Um, Harry's there, and there's this old royal woman. I I don't know who it is. Somebody who's Some wearing like on. a wearing like a gollywog brooch, effectively, isn't it, or a moor brooch or something like that? Uh, so unbelievably racist thing. And then the whole scene is is just so hokey and horrendous um where he sort of like criticizes them for it and then they throw back it's like oh it's a family heirloom blah 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 and then and like there's no way in that situation that either of them would be so outspoken as they are yeah um and it all ends with uh prince charles and camilla coming along and saying you should leave and harry go and get your girlfriend we want to meet her um and 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 it's like Camilla makes a uh, drops a line about a dirty martini. <laughs> yes, um, but you can tell that this movie was not made with a British audience in mind because they make Camilla Parker Bowles out to be um, an incredibly likable character, and anyone who spent any time in the UK knows that the press hounded her and hated her for years and years and years and years and years. Um, so yeah, you can tell that this was made for an American audience who love all of the royals, whereas over here. There's certain royals we like, and other people in the royal family, or or sort of like adjacent to the royal family, who the press will notoriously be horrible to. Yeah, I mean the press the press hound all of them and will pick up pick up on any detail and you know sensationalize it. And this film did depict that in a good way as well. I'll give it that. Similar to what Wills and Kate did, the depictions of press intrusion were quite enjoyable. And the bits where Harry's talking to the two quite austere press officers and they're all saying, you have to do this because it's it's royal duty or whatever. And he's like, nah, not doing that. That to me was actually possibly the most realistic bit. And that did kind of make me smile a bit. But yeah, the portrayals of most of the royals are just like, they're just fluffy, aren't they? Fluffy for the American audience. But the one of Camilla did make me chuckle. And she was probably the most like the real thing in terms of looks anyway yeah she certainly looked the part um and and yeah but you know what i mean about like how some royals are like beloved but other ones the the moments the veneer drops they they pounce on it and they attack it and like just repeatedly repeatedly unrepentedly um yeah and where where i mean the queen's untouchable yes yeah whereas in america they're kind of just like hey it's the royal family it's you know, they don't differentiate between the, the the ones over here that we hate and the ones that we don't. Not that I yeah. hate any specific royal, but you know what I mean about the press being no. particularly nasty to certain people. Which um, is the well, one who was either a pedo or had a mate who was a pedo? Was that Prince Andrew? He had some pedo thing, right? <laughs> uh, I don't know. Let's have a little look. Uh, I, I'm not altogether up to date with my... Strangely, uh, with, neither with my am I. knowledge of the but... royal family. Um, I, I feel like he had some something where he got very much raked over the coals in the press, and probably rightly so. But 
Oh, uh, yeah, he was he was friends with Epstein, wasn't he? That's the one who was an actual oh, yes. pedophile. So, yeah, that's a bit shady. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, it's... Um, but then again, you know, like, old Savile had a lot of dealings with the royal family, yeah. didn't he? Um, I think it's it's more to do with the, the things that go on behind the scenes with rich and influential people. Yeah. Um, more than that the royal family <laughs> are friends with pedophiles. <laughs> Let's yeah. just put that out there. Um, no, it's like, did you know not... Prince Charles's Duchy Originals range, they're made out of dogs. Like, any dog that isn't a corgi, whenever a dog goes missing, that's where it ends up. <laughs> if you... <laughs> <laughs> if you if you listen they were originally quietly, called doggy originals but <laughs> they thought it was a bit too close to the bone if you if you listen quietly in the middle of the night uh you can just hear him going yeah doggy yeah doggy as he's as he's going after all the stray dogs around the country come on boy that's a good boy come to Charles. come to chucky um <laughs> chucky <laughs> jack and um, camilla calls him chucky uh, I don't think anyone dares to call him Chucky. Maybe, maybe, uh, maybe Chuck. Maybe, maybe yeah. Chuck. What up, Chuck? <laughs> if you ever meet Prince Charles, can you please refer to him as Chuck for me? Yeah, I've, I'd I've, really what up, appreciate what up, it. What up, Chuck? My main man. <laughs> um, but yeah, the, the portrayal of in this film, um, they they do sort of like make a lot of race in it, um. They, which, which is certainly an integral part of uh, the media story um, around Meghan and Harry, um, as as much as places will deny it, uh, quite a fair few of the right wing enterprises had a problem with it, and and played up to the fact that certain gammon did not appreciate that someone of mixed race was going to be marrying into the royal family. Yeah. Um, whereas I think in the film they kind of don't, they kind of skirt around the issue from a press perspective. Which I think is a bit of a it's one of the areas where I think they really could have doubled down on it. So they 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 cover the sort of the hounding of of her and her family by the press, but they never really showcase the the racial angle of it, which no. I think is one of the most interesting and, ab- and abhorrent things about the way that the press has treated this this wedding. Um, whereas yeah, they don't really it it kind of is just a cookie cutter of what happened in Wills and Kate, where it's just they're spending too much time around this family and they're looking into it too much. Yeah, it's portrayed as like as generic press hounding, like the press would do to anyone, rather than that specifically the press going after them being like she's a mixed race divorced American, like it's Wallace Simpson all over again. Yeah, and it, and it's not. Um, yeah, I really think they could have done more with that in this film, um, but they, they do especially sort of as they at... were trying very hard to be woke, as I said. Like if they'd actually, they should have got just gone full woke and been like, "Hey, this is a real statement." Not that that's ever going to happen on Lifetime, but like they, yeah, it, it's like because they tried so hard to shoehorn it in at other points and then kept it out conspicuously from other bits, it kind of jarred a bit. Yeah, given that ninety um, percent of the press for this movie is coming from the likes of the Daily Express and the Daily Mail, I don't think they probably would have got as much reception with them if, in the movie, they'd just gone, you know, who are a bunch of racist pricks, the right-wing press in the UK. <laughs> yeah, you know who's bad? Papers. <laughs> yeah, I don't think that quite would have gone down that well with them. Um, so I can yeah. kind of understand it. 
but and they yeah, kind I of was... kind of made out that like when Harry makes his statement to the press about um, the hounding and everything, they kind of make out that the press went, "Oh, okay, yeah, why not?" And then that they stopped hounding them, which isn't true at but, all. Uh, which is not true in the slightest, as seen with everything running up to the wedding, even to today. Um, the, like, the they've been doing they've... some real scummy shit going after her family in the last week or two. It's re- just yeah, really leaves a sour taste in the mouth. Yeah, they've been horrendous. Um, absolutely horrendous. I'm. It, it's been awful to see. Um, but it's so. I think the problems of this film um, do come down to how close it sticks to the. It, it kind of like just compounds on the approach that they took with Wills and Kate. Um, and they and they make a few tweaks here and there. Um, but really, it is just kind of like the the film is sort of framed around press are bad. It's hard to marry as royal a member of the royal family but in the end you will do and it's kind of magical um diana 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 (laughs) Uh, and that and that's the way that they that that's the way that they treat treat things in in both of these films they're very very similar in their structure yeah yeah it's there's it's always going to be can the non-royal handle the pressure of being a royal oh no here's some stuff and but it's like there's a little bit of pressure and stuff and then there's just like long scenes of her like crying and like hanging out with her mum and stuff and the mum's encouraging her to to go back to it and stuff which is a, perhaps a more interesting angle than just the like Kate Middleton crying with her posh parents even though in this in this one the Kate Middleton character who looks more like Kate Middleton than the Kate Middleton in the other film but um, <laughs> yes yeah definitely kind of does imply she makes a joke about them like both being commoners who have to stick together and it's like yeah Kate Middleton welcome and yeah totally raised on a council <laughs> estate mate like yeah but but what i find weird about about that is that initially they set up kate in this film as kind of like someone who wants to defend the royal line and and isn't at all receptive uh to Meghan markle being a member of the royal family yeah she, she is initially incredibly hesitant as is wills yeah is um, there any then... factual basis for that oh no of course not <laughs> It's just um, some manufactured bullshit. Factual basis in a film like this, Paddy. I'm surprised no, they didn't but... like start fighting robots halfway through. <laughs> Robot lions. Robot lions. Robo lions. Um, yeah. yeah, yeah. I don't. Well, I With mean, like a Mecha Diana robot lion leading the charge. <laughs> now I'd watch that movie. Um, yeah, yeah. Well, I, I, when they're but... in Botswana, halfway through, they just take a detour to Wakanda. <laughs> <laughs> No, they they uh, on on their way to Botswana, they have to stop off in Egypt, and then they open an ancient mummy's tomb. But then inside, <laughs> it's like mummified lions, and then like a mummified Princess Diana, like Imhotep out of the Mummy movie, starts chasing them round. And then she's like, "I'm your mummy, get it?" <laughs> now that's the movie that they should have made here. This, um, yeah, they they really missed a trick with that one. Um, yeah, sorry guys, you really you really missed out. You could have made something special here, but you didn't. Really dropped um, the ball. <laughs> um, but but yeah, it's it's they 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 don't mix it up enough here, and and that doesn't mean that there has to be robot lions or anything like that. But it it does just feel very similar, um, even down to like you know like William and Kate. You imagine. Like in real life, they would have just done whatever they were told because that's the way that the royal family works, isn't it? Whatever, whatever their opinions are, they have a responsibility to maintain support for one another. 
Um, and they're and, and, very and the good way. at playing it cool, aren't they? Yeah, yeah. They, I have no idea what any of their opinions are about anything at all. No, and, and and that's the way that it it works is that they're they're here as like a heritage of England's past. They're a heritage of Britain's past. Um, the moment that they really start giving very strong opinions about things, even things within their own family, um, is the moment that public perception about the royal family could sway one way or another. So, like you know, if if for instance, uh, William came out and said, "You know what's a terrible idea? Brexit." Um, as seen with Gammon recently, who suddenly turned their backs on the House of Lords, there'd probably be people who turn around yeah. and say, "We should get rid of the royal family. It's unconstitutional. Yeah. It's 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 undemocratic to have it. We should elect Nigel Farage as president of the UK." Yeah, as a spiritual Gammon king. Yeah, that would be totally <laughs> democratic as well. See, I love how it's it, the EU is undemocratic, and you know, but of course, just having one referendum on everything is completely democratic or like to answer one question and then just going through with a blind load of nonsense when when you try and hold it to account that's undemocratic yeah well well what i find interesting is that um for for years and years and years the people who have been talking about having an elected second house have been people on the left wing and people on the right wing have been very strongly against it and saying that we need the house of lords as it is because traditionally the house of lords has been much more conservative and i don't mean that with a big c i mean it with a small c they're much more mm. reserved about their decision making yeah yeah um, hereditary peerages and a whole bunch of other complete bullshit exactly um but at this moment in time they're actually standing in the way of the bullshit that is brexit by actually saying you know what this is suicide to do this let's not do that yeah maybe um, let's just not do it however that has actually clearly angered the gammon um so much so that a lot of them want to get rid of the house of lords all of a sudden it's like wow these guys really want more democracy in the country because at the moment it's not suiting them that the people who have always been on their side currently aren't yeah um and that's what that's what searching for more democracy is um that's definitely what it is um by the way you know you mentioned uh <laughs> nigel farage as the gammon king yeah um i i now can't get out of my head um the scene from nightmare before christmas where jack the pumpkin king turns up apart from it's nigel farage wearing a gammon on his head and everyone's going around <laughs> singing this is gammon ween this is gammon ween gammon ween gammon ween gammon ween <laughs> in this town we call home everyone's here for the gammon song can i tell you something what i think nightmare before christmas sucks and it's stupid you what, mate? You can get in. You I'll can fight get you. In, you can get in the bin with the rest of the gammon. That that is a pure that is a pure gammon opinion to have right there. It's a stupid, pointlessly, self-consciously quirky bunch of absolute rubbish for twelve-year-old pseudo goths. Apart from it's made for people much younger than that. It's a kids' movie. <laughs> it's it's a children's movie about Halloween and Christmas. It's wonderful. It's one of the best Christmas movies and one of the best Halloween movies. Nah, those those two things should not meet. They definitely should because Nightmare Before Christmas is fantastic. No, it's lame. See, I... see, this is this is where I'm questioning your opinions <laughs> on movies. You made you made me watch this movie. You made me watch <laughs> Wilson Kate the movie. You made me watch goddamn Bridges of Madison fucking County. <laughs> oh, here we go. 
Yeah, what when Clint, it comes Clint to Eastwood's no- great visions, his great artistic. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you turn around and say you don't like Nightmare Before Christmas. This is Oprah director Clint Eastwood is is getting the flack now, is he? Versus Oter director Tim Burton. Here's Tim Burton, isn't it? No. He wrote no. the initial story and then it right. was directed by someone else and right. music okay. by someone else. He, ha- he actually had very little involvement in the film. Yeah. The music's all jaunty and creepy and strange as well. I don't like it. It's all Danny Elfman. It's really? Classic Danny Elfman I, I think score, he's, yeah. mo- he's mostly very talented. But this is a this is a strike on his record. I, I'd say that it's his best work. No, the Simpsons theme tune is his best work. Mm, it's good, but it's no... That's going to be in your head for the rest of the day now. Well, I've already got This Is Halloween stuck in my head, so I not don't the, think The Simpsons the, is going to beat it. Not This Is Gammonween. <laughs> this Is Gammonween. <laughs> but you know what? I'd still rather watch The Nightmare Before Christmas than watch Harry and Meghan a Royal Romance again. So there you go. That's something. Is that throwing yes. you a bone? <laughs> it, it, it's throwing me a gammon bone. Just about. I can, I can yeah. maybe forgive you for this. You don't get bones and gammon, do you? What part of the pig does it come from? It comes from the, the comes from the gammon joint. If there are any um, butchers listening, get in touch. <laughs> you do get you do get bone in in gammon, don't you? I don't know. Every time I've ever had a gammon joint, it's always just been like a solid solid joint with a nice you know a nice glaze or something, and you can eat it all. Yeah, but when you get a big enough joint of gammon, it can sometimes have a bone through the middle. Uh, if you get the big boy joint with the yeah. yeah, and then you have to boil it or whatever. Yeah, I've only ever seen that in restaurants. I think. Ah, uh, okay. Um, yeah, because it's sneak, it sneak is... into kitchens to see what the chefs are up to. Because, because my um, <laughs> welcome to the the meat cast. By the way, everybody, <laughs> um, isn't isn't gammon like a pig leg? I think it's a pig leg, right? It's leg, and then it's got like a, and then it's got like a bone in it. It's got like a leg bone. When you've that got a big, oh, it's, it's, yes, it's the the upper leg, isn't it? Yeah, the thigh. That yeah, that's sense. what I that's what I think it is. Any any um, any fans of meat? Any fans of the good kind of gammon, not the bad kind of gammon? Please yep. get in touch and confirm this for us. As a meat, I quite like gammon as well. Yeah, I love gammon. It's great. It's tasty. It is. So it's, it's a it's a wonderful part of the pig. Um, yeah. Not so much its its online counterpart, the gammon. Sadly, not. No. no. Um. So so do going you, back. Do you to... want to know? Do you want to know what the worst thing about Harry and Meghan a royal romance is? The point where I just knew that I was just destined to hate it. Um, is when they have their like first date and they're talking about like they're like they're doing like a sort of really lame truth or dare thing getting people getting like confessing stuff and it's like they each have to say a guilty pleasure song or something and harry says sail away by enya (laughs) it's not called sail away it's called orinoco flow you fucking idiot (laughs) like it's such an obvious common basic stupid mistake to make and it's just it's ignorant and stupid it's called orinoco flow man come on get with it (laughs) Um, what's that song that is called Sail Away? Um, um, 
I don't know. Because there is there is a um there is a there is a song called Sail Away, but I've forgotten how it goes. But but when they mentioned Sail Away, I initially thought it was this other one. Um uh, but but actually no. Paddy, Paddy, sorry to sorry to disappoint you here, but Orinoco no, Flow. You're, you're gonna tell me that you don't like Enya just to spite me, aren't well, you? Well, I don't I don't like Enya because I'm not a fifty year old woman. Um sixty year old woman. But um Orinoco Orinoco Flow was also released as Orinoco Orinoco Flow in parentheses sail away. Hmm. So the it name well being be... in brackets after the main name does not does not absolve him of his crime. <laughs> so it may well be that that Harry was it, it's is definitely not an oversight by the writers. Definitely no, not no. an oversight. They're, they're they're guilty of the the same basicness as the character. Right. <laughs> like, you know, get it right. Get um, the song names right. Like were there no fact checkers? Of course they weren't. It's a it's a lifetime movie that turned around <laughs> in a month. In a way, of course uh, the short like... time frame in which they had to make the film, they managed to pull it off, didn't they? I don't know exactly how long it took, but I did hear somewhere that the script took two weeks. So they can't have filmed for that long. And do you reckon no. that where the bits where it's supposed to be Botswana? It's probably just like Arizona, isn't it? Oh yeah, it's gotta be. It's got <laughs> I don't think they had the budget to fly out to Botswana. Um but the one thing I really liked about this movie, and that I felt it did a lot better than Wills and Kate the movie, and that's the only thing I can really compare it to, because to compare this movie to any other movie ever released, um, it's not going to come out well. Um, but here, I feel as though the the actual romance between the two and the relationship between Meghan and Harry is much more interesting than Wills and Kate. Not so much in the plot elements, because the plot elements are exactly the same. But in terms of like the chemistry between the two people and the dialogue between them, um, it completely avoids that fawning over him because he's a monarch. Um, which I felt was much more interesting. Because um, even in Wills and Kate, the movie, they kind of set it up as kate middleton's just going to treat him like anybody else but then of course she doesn't and then nobody else treats him like that either there's like they're, they're just on a slightly lower level of reverence whereas here um the the, the character of Meghan markle treats him as though he is just any other person which i thought was a really interesting way to do it and it allowed yep. them to have much more fun in the scenes where they're together and they're happy um, yeah, when... and they do at least try to sort of build up that intimacy between them and to have them joking around together and that kind of thing. Whereas, yeah, the the relationship between Wills and Kate is just so basic and boring and dull that like there's not a lot you can do with it, to be fair. You're not working with interesting source material. No, no. Um, whereas at least here there's something slightly more interesting to it because you do have the, the historical subtext to it um, in that, hey, they're not marrying another inbred white person from england um that's yeah. that's a bonus <laughs> um so so at least they've got that sort of like element to it there um which which again so it, at least there is that interest there in terms of when, when, when things are going badly and they're angry at each other it's unbelievably insufferable in the same way that wills and kate was because it's just yep. like a pair of teenagers being grumpy at one another 
They're just speculating um, on what went on behind the scenes, which of course we can never know. So if you're making this film, you're going to have to make that up anyway. But yeah, that was all very, very bad. All the kind of fake arguments, like the fakest of fake arguments between them. They're like, you don't like this. No, no, It's hard to be a royal. No, 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 no. Like, yeah, the, the, like, the arguments between them are bad. But when they're having a laugh together, that feels like more fun, more genuine. Yes, yeah. And, and it does feel very genuine. I think that, um in particular it's worth um calling out parissa fitz henley um for her role as megan here i think she's above and beyond anybody else in this film in terms of actually putting the effort in her performance is solid whereas the the guy who plays harry is terrible his delivery is really robotic and really wooden and although he his his resemblance isn't bad but yeah a lot of his lines are just very like yeah He's like a woke robot. Yeah, a woke bot. A woke um, bot. Yeah. She, yeah, he's he's not great. Um, no one in this movie really is that great, apart from Parissa Fitzhenley, who I think does a pretty decent job. It's her um, movie. I wouldn't. Yeah, I wouldn't. I wouldn't say that she's bad. Even I'd say she does. She does pretty well, particularly given the awful source material she's been given. Yeah. Um, in the context, so, her performance is very, very good. Objectively. Yeah, yeah. It's competent, for sure. Yeah, exactly. Um, there, there's a it's it's the one moment of competency in this film, um, which which I do appreciate. Um, but she, but she does have um, a fairly a fairly decent pedigree to her. Um, she's in uh, the Marvel movie, uh, the Marvel television universe. All right. Um, so she she plays a character called Raver Connors in in Jessica Jones and Luke Cage. Oh, okay, I had um, no idea. Yeah, so so she doesn't appear in, in in that many episodes, but she's in a in a few here and there, um, and cool. so there is that sort of like, I don't know, that she she's clearly an actual actress, and, and I felt and like not... she knew what she was doing as well, and I haven't seen much press or anything about it. I think I've seen the odd tweet where it's like she's sort of playing up to the cheesiness of it, and that kind of makes it more fun and more enjoyable, doesn't it? Yeah, yeah, she knew what she was doing. She knew the kind of movie she was making. And she was able to sort of play up to it, and and was able to get in a good a good level of variety to her performance. Um, so yeah. so yeah, good good actor, good acting, well done. Yeah, a, a bright spark in this in this terrible terrible film. <laughs> Whereas the guy who played Prince William, my God, he looked about fifty. <laughs> much, but much, I mean, much like Prince William in real life, I suppose. Oh, he's awful. He's yeah. Uh, he he has a great name, uh, Burgess Abernethy, wow. which, is a, which is a very good name. Isn't um, that a type yeah. of biscuit? <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, she he was he was not great. What I find interesting is that could they not have got back the people who played Wills and Kate from Wills and Kate the movie? I was going to say exactly the same thing. Surely, no offense to any of them, that but surely they cannot possibly be busy with the possible exception of Camilla Luddington, who I think has a lot of video game voice work on. Yeah, she, she um, as we mentioned before, she's the voice of Tomb Raider in uh, Tomb Raider, Rise of the Tomb Raider, and coming up, Shadow of the Tomb Raider. Um, so she's probably got stuff on. But Yeah, and again, like the, if they had got those people back in, they'd have been starting the creation of the Royal Wedding Cinematic Universe. Exactly. And then eventually... You know the eventual crossover with a Christmas Prince. When that happens, they they could have been glorious, but they ruined it. 
yeah so they've they've ruined it all now this is worse than when they recast bruce banner in the marvel cinematic universe i'm just putting it out there now this is this is ruined this is ruined my immersion in the lifetime cinematic universe it was worse than when they had to recast airbud in the airbud cinematic universe (laughs) i'm just imagining because it's literally eight different docs I'm just imagining that for one of them, they're like, oh, God, we can't even get a Labrador. And they just throw a Chihuahua out there. So yeah. no one will tell the difference. It's fine. What do we got? This guy's cheap. <laughs> oh, dear. Maybe we'll get um, a Great Dane next time. <laughs> Great Dane. Um, we'll do a crossover with um, Beethoven and we'll get a St. Bernard in. Yeah. And then one with Marmaduke. <laughs> <laughs> That'd be amazing. I'd actually probably watch that. Particularly if they tried to pretend that it wasn't a different dog every time as well. Yeah. It's like, hey guys, it's me, Air Budgie. (laughs) I'm your friend, Air Bud. Let's go and play some sports because we are dogs that play sports. (laughs) See, I'd be on board with that. Yeah, for sure. That'd be great. Um... But yes, it's nice to know that she's in the in the Marvel TV universe. That's good. And yeah, disappointed that the Royal Wedding cinematic universe doesn't happen. Especially as a lot of them were sort of just about okay. Whereas the people like Wills and Prince Charles in this film are absolutely abominable. Look nothing like them and their acting is really god-awful. And like the people who did it in Wills and Kate just about got away with it in this film. They didn't at all. Can, can I point out my favourite of the lot was... Um, the Queen, who looked nothing like the Queen, sounded nothing like the Queen, no. and acted nothing like the Queen. Yeah, um, absolutely awful. She made the Queen seem like a sort of positively joyous, jumping around, happy kind of figure, when, you know, everyone knows that the Queen is incredibly stern and very austere and serious, and that's fine. That's who she is, that's her persona. But in this, she seemed, yeah, very, very sort of overly delighted and was like joking around, and it's like, no. The Queen no. would never do that. that is the Americans want the Americans want to imagine that the Queen has fun. The Queen does not have fun. The Queen is not a fun person. And you're just going to have to deal with that, Americans. Okay? That's what it's like. She sits there breaking Garibaldi biscuits into quarters and then throwing them on the ground for the corgis to eat. Not cracking a <laughs> smile. And then that's how she spends 12 hours of each and every day. Yep. That that's, queen, that's queen business. <laughs> this is 100% true, yeah. based on accounts of people. Occasionally she has to go Boston. out to frown at the Olympics or whatever, and then yeah. that's about it. Yeah. that that's, she'll, uh, she'll be there frowning on Saturday in a huge hat. Yes. Yes, she will. Um, and that's why we love her. Yeah. So, you know, take your happy queen and get her in the bin. We don't care for her. <laughs> We like our Put grumpy queen. Put her in queen. the happy bin. Put her in the happy bin. We like our grumpy queen. Yep. Yeah. A grumpy queen is the ultimate symbol of Britain. Yes. God save our grumpy queen. <laughs> yep. Yeah. I like that the corgi's got a, a bit of a bit of time, not much, but there was a corgi shout out. Yeah, I appreciated that as well. That was good. Um Yeah. We need a, a corgi bit of time movie. With the corgis. Yeah, can they not do like um like a dog version of of a Christmas prince? I would watch where it's the heck all, out where of it's that. all about dogs. That would be great. Yeah. Talking corgis. 
there are yeah there are lots of very bad dog films out there and i have seen a lot of bad doggy trailers but i haven't seen any about corgis actually maybe because of the royal association maybe it's actually not permitted under international law because they're the royal dog yes maybe maybe they're not allowed much like eating swan yeah not allowed to make movies. You can about you can punch a swan, but you can't eat it. Can you punch a swan? You can try. <laughs> they furious. might not appreciate it. They are livid. Yeah. Them and geese. They are, are really furious birds. Yep, swans and geese. That whole family of birds. They don't do much good, do they? They're they're generally angry, pooing everywhere. And do they are they good for the ecosystem? I'm skeptical. I don't know. I mean, many of them for show, aren't they? Just yeah. Aesthetically, supposedly nice to look at. Yeah, supposedly aesthetically pleasing. You see them in uh, random places. I'm not buying it. No, I don't. I don't. To be honest, I don't really appreciate geese or yeah, swans. So, so I'm glad that there weren't any swans in this film. Did you know they that didn't... one of one of my one of the things I'd really like to do is eat swan, just because it's taboo. Is I'd it? really like to see what. Yeah, you're, well, you're not allowed to eat swan in the UK because oh, because of, of the whole queen thing. Yes, it's, it's against the law to eat swan. Um, so where where can you eat swan? Then? Well, I did a little look because I have no life. <laughs> You've um, been doing your research. I was doing some research into it, and you can like import swan meat, um, but it costs a, a huge amount of money, and according to reports, swan tastes incredibly bad. So, so it's not like. <laughs> As long as it's not one of the Queen's swans, you can import it and eat it. Yes, yeah. Um, right. Whereas, but yeah, apparently it tastes awful. Because I was thinking, oh, swan's got to taste a little bit like goose, you know. Yeah, it's goose like is tra- quite nice. Which is like a traditional like Christmas or wintertime meat. Um, but apparently swan tastes yeah. awful. So it's kind of made me oh. like think about whether I really want to eat swan as part of my bucket list. I'd try it if it was in front of me, if it ever came up. But I don't think I'd pay a lot of money to eat swan. No, no. And there, therein not. lies the problem. Is yeah, if it tastes bad, I wonder what does it does it say what it tastes like? I would have thought it'd it would just be like chicken or goose or sort of in that family. But do apparently they have it like, a, like very a, a, bitter and it's quite sort of fatty? Yeah, apparently it, mm. it tastes quite bitter and it's quite fatty, which makes me very sad. Oh, like, but at the same like time, that. <laughs> But at the same time, it, it it kind of then makes sense that nowhere else in the world eats swan. Yeah. If if it is just a horrible thing to eat. So fair enough. Fair enough. Yeah. Those geese, though, they better watch out. Yeah, I'm all over geese. They're going to end up on my plate. Yeah. I, I, I love a bit of goose. Mainly because I, I don't like geese as birds. So there's also no. that sort of like satisfaction of being like, ha, this goose is dead and it's going in my tummy. Yeah. They're rude, aren't they? They are. They're furious, unhelpful. They've got very bit. bad manners. They do. They're very unbelievably rude. I put I put some silverware down in front of a goose, and and gave it a gave it a nice bowl of soup, and didn't know what to do. Right. I've seen no etiquette whatsoever. Flapping around all over the place, getting livid, honking at me, hissing. Always, always with the honking. Yeah awful did you did you say boo to the goose no i did not say <laughs> boo to the goose but the next time i see a goose i'm just gonna go up to it and go boo. one time me and my friend gary were walking along the riverside in kingston and there were some geese and gary was like hey let's go say boo to a goose and then he started to approach a goose and then it like reared up and started hissing and flapping at him 
I've never seen anyone run so fast. <laughs> it was terrifying. I mean, the yeah, goose, they are. The goose had a knife. <laughs> just lifts up its wings and then just underneath it's just got an array of knives. Yeah. But you know, ga- gang violence is very common among geese, unfortunately. Especially in true. Geese London. <laughs> geese London. <laughs> I just came up with that right then and there. <laughs> That's amazing. I love it. Um did you did you know that um have you ever had a had like an in-depth look at like the mouth of a goose? Um oddly no. <laughs> Because it's kind of, yeah, it's kind of horrifying. All of the birds in that family are actually like secretly horrifying, aren't they? As well, because ducks, they're like they're smaller, but they've got horrible like beaks with teeth inside and like weird corkscrew penises, and yeah, they're all just very nasty. Yeah, because 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 geese, their 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 mouths are like full of these horrible serrated edge teeth, and it's it's genuinely one of the most awful things you'll ever see in your life is that is the mouth of the goose sounds like something you'd have to look at for 40 minutes in a Lars von Trier film <laughs> yeah well that's going to be his next movie isn't it he he's just <laughs> he's just released torture porn the movie I believe is its working title um it's it's real title I can't remember and I have no interest in ever watching it whatsoever because Lars von Trier is a hack um but yeah, I think the next one is just going to be it's going to be um a goose going around um cutting people's boobs off and shooting children in the head. <laughs> it's going to be called hissing. Goose Mouth. Going to be called Goose Mouth. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um cuz cuz has old Lars von Trier. Um I don't really like his work very much, which I think we've mentioned before. We have, we have. I think I've said in no uncertain terms that I think he is possibly the worst film director ever, ever to grace the medium. Because <laughs> I think, um, although and- to, to be fair, I haven't seen that much of his work. I I saw uh, we watched about fifteen twenty minutes of Melancholia and then turned it off because it was just so awful. And like that isn't even one that's particularly violent or schlocky or anything. But yeah, by all accounts, his stuff is just the worst kind of meaningless torture porn schlock nonsense and i have no time for it yeah because antichrist is one of the most stupid things i've ever seen in my life um it's it's genuinely awful um and grotesque for no point other than the fact that it's grotesque and it seems as though his most recent movie is is that just you know purified um so what's the point you know I'd rather watch Megan and Harry the movie again than watch watch the new Lars von Trier. I absolutely would. Yeah, triple bill. Megan and Harry Royal Romance. Wills and Kate the movie, followed by The Bridges of Madison County. Yeah, I I agree. I'd rather watch all of those than watch watch the new Lars von Trier film. Yeah, so he can he can get in the Swan. <laughs> get in the Swan. He deserves to be bitten by the horrible <laughs> serrated mouth of a goose. <laughs> Yes, he does. So, How do you no, like do, it, Lars? Do, do not go and see any of Lars von Trier's work, even if you're, even if you think, oh, there's some reasonably competent actors, actresses in that. You know, like my main man Shia LaBeouf. Just don't do it. Don't <laughs> give him your time or your money. He's rubbish. I I love how 
out of all of the incredible actors who have worked in Lars von Trier's films, that the one you wanted to call out was Shia LaBeouf. <laughs> it's because he's my main man. Not, I, don't know, I don't know what he's up to at the moment. Not, he, Willem, he... not Willem Dafoe. Not Charlotte Gainsbourg. No. I do like Willem Dafoe. I don't know what the hell he was doing with working with Lars von Trier, but... Yeah, uh, uh, well, what I like about Willem Dafoe is that he turns up in the most unexpected places. You'll be out, you'll be out cutting the grass, and you'll look <laughs> over at the hedge, and Willem Dafoe's face will yeah. just be there, going "Hello." He's like, "Hey, um, how's it going?" <laughs> <laughs> yeah, oh yeah, yeah. You're you're in the library. There he is. He's reading a book. He's in the historical fiction section. Yeah, doing his thing. Exactly. He he always he's always there somewhere. Yeah, now, Shia LaBeouf. I don't know what he's done since the the tennis movie that I still haven't seen. Oh, Borg versus looks, McEnroe. Yeah, which looks interesting and stupid and boring, and I'm sort of vaguely intrigued by it. Oh, I think John McEnroe's a really interesting, like, person. Yeah. In terms of in terms of that, so it's, it's a kind of an interesting film to do. I'm not sure whether I'll actually ever watch it, but um, but you know, at least there's some potential there. He, the next movie he's going to be in is a movie called The Peanut Butter Falcon, which That's, is sounds like an episode of BoJack Horseman. <laughs> <laughs> if only, um, it's an adventure story set in the world of a modern Mark Twain. Uh, that begins when a young man with Down syndrome runs away from a nursing home where he lives to chase his dream of becoming a professional wrestler and attend the wrestling school of the Saltwater Redneck. Wait, um, so is he playing someone with Downs? God, I hope not. Um, I really That's incredibly problematic. I so. really hope he doesn't. Um, okay, well, I'm disappointed that I asked. <laughs> Yeah, I I imagine that he's probably not. I think that's a step too far for even um for even Sheila Booth. The movie also stars for Dakota Johnson from the 50 Shades movies. Even Stevens. Um <laughs> Um John, oh, Dakota John... Johnson. I really it's it's unfair and basic to use the term resting bitch face, but she has got a very serious case of it and I find it very off-putting. See, I, I, I don't the I don't know if I've even watched her in anything. Oh, apparently she's, she's in, in the Social Network, the Five Year Engagement, which is a funny, a very funny film that I quite like. But she's a she's a sort of peripheral girlfriend character, and her performance is, is she's supposed to play an irritating character, and she does it very well. So I guess that's fair enough. But we, yeah, when it gets to Halloween, we'll be talking about her in Fifty Shades. So let's yes. save it for that. Or possibly before. You never know when you're going to throw up the Fifty Shades anthology. This is true. This is true. They've Maybe made all the films anytime, now. Anytime, so. anywhere. Although she's been rewriting the books from Christian Grey's point of view. So are they going to do the same thing with the films? I'm sure oh, it would God, be awful. I, I mean, it's going to be... It, could it be any worse? That's the one question. Well, there's only one way to find out. <laughs> yes, exactly. Um Oh dear. Anyway, um shall we shall we return to Where were our we? topic Let, of conversation? Yeah, let's get let's get royal. So what else did I what else did I write down? 
Um, of course, they throw in some biological clock shit just to make women feel bad. Something about her having to have a baby. There's a line about that. Don't like that. That's not cool. No. What else? Um, Kate Middleton talks about being a baby machine. Um, it, was it just me, or does Kate Middleton also make reference to the sea bomb via rhyming slang as well? Does she? I must have missed that. Does she say yeah, see you she, next Tuesday? She um makes reference to one of her friends as being a bit back and front, which I imagine is a sneaky reference oh. to the Cockney rhyming slang for a certain very offensive word. I haven't heard that before, but I I, I think I that line kind of washed over me because I didn't know what it meant. Ah, yeah, so so unless unless it has a a different meaning, but I imagine that was a sneaky way of suggesting that Kate Middleton is not particularly appreciative of one of her friends. Um, <laughs> that's that's interesting. Yeah, I assumed um, that it, it meant that they were like shifty or something. I don't know. Yeah, so so that's what it means in Cockney rhyming slang. Yeah. Um, but it may well be that there's, there's a, another meaning behind it, but that's the way that I read it, and that gave me a good chuckle. I was like, <laughs> she'd never say that in real life. Yeah, so yeah, the, the the playing up of Kate Middleton and the Queen as being much more fun than they actually are was very bad and highly amusing. Yes, yeah, I, I, and I found all of those elements. The, the moments where it really, where the movie kind of didn't take itself seriously and where it had these sneaky nods to the audience about it being much more silly than it was putting on at face value i really appreciated um i just wish they hadn't stayed so close to the lifetime movie template in terms of plot because it is basically the same story as wills and kate the movie yeah it is more or less the same but with added racial tension wokeness and a whole bunch of other bullshit and lots of need to hang out in botswana where the the local people really love him of course they do because he's their white saviour. <laughs> Although, have you ever seen uh, the sort of reception that the royal family gets when they visit the places where they have worked before? That that was one of the one of the few moments where it was sort of like real to life, I suppose, is the way to think think of it. Um, oh so, yeah, for sure. And um, there's cameras on them as well. Yes. Yeah. Um, my my other the other bit of this film that I really liked was was when it ended. Not only because it meant that I could go and do something <laughs> else other than watch this film. It was but time for end, bed. But at the end, they've got this sort of like little um little collage, as it were. There's, there's a little section where they show lots of pictures and video of the real uh, Meghan and Harry. Um, yeah, it faded effortlessly into real life footage of Meghan and Harry, mostly just getting out of a car. Yes, because it was just from one bit where they got out of a car and spoke to some people. They didn't. They didn't take it from various different points in their lives or different footage from different areas or when they were in Botswana or anything like that. It was just they've got out of this car on the street and they're saying hello to like three people, and then they just reused it. They just reused it over and over again. It was hilarious. I thought, oh dear. At, yeah. at least, at least do two like public appearances instead of just the one. It was a very dull ending. And again, I suppose it ended with the proper proposal because he had a kind of like half proposal in Africa, didn't he? Or was it was it in Africa or was it somewhere else where he's like just off the cuff? He's just like, will you marry me? And then it's fine. And then he like gets down on one knee in the house when he's covered in soap. And then that's the end of the film. You're like, OK, of course, 
I mean, I, I can't yes, see how else yeah. you would have ended it. But yeah, it made a lot more out of the kind of lame proposal than you could have done. But yeah, again, I don't know. I, well, what I would have done if I was directing it would have had the like when when he proposed would have then had the like um, lion reincarnated Diana jump through the window and go, "I'm proud of you, my son," and then like waft away into a cloud. <laughs> like Mufasa. Exactly. They should have gone full Lion King because I could tell that that's exactly what the directors wanted to do, but they were worried about what Disney might do to them. Yeah, they should and, have just done it anyway. I reckon Disney would have got behind it. There really, there really was this overtone of the Lion King at the end with the lion. Um, it really did feel like that's what they wanted to do with it. And I, I, and I do kind of wish they had, or there was just like a Diana voiceover or something like that it would have been stunning yeah um but unfortunately then you you do just have this muddled metaphor of is this lion just like fine with him being around is it the resurrection of princess diana um if so that's really bloody offensive <laughs> um it's uh it's yeah it's it's a little bit clumsy not gonna lie but you know what are you gonna yeah. do it's a it's, clumsy lion it's the part of the film that I probably was going to stick with me for the longest. So at least there's that. Yeah, that's that's fair. And there is a, a bit where there is a young Princess Diana played by someone who looks vaguely like her. And there's a sort of cheeky scene with her and her son that's a little bit strange, but also, you know, fill, ticks the Diana boxes. The gammon love that. Yeah, they do. And and, and that's that scene then, it um it is a little bit of... Of, of humanity in this film as well because it's kind of is unexpected that they're sort of like stealing stuff from like a from like a buffet effectively um which 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 is quite nice and it does make them feel a little bit more human than just some characters in a lifetime movie that are acting in a way that you're expecting um but overall it is just it overall it does really suffer from the same problems as wills and kate the movie in that it's it's unbelievably boring for the most part it is it is dull very very dull there's not there's not much to grab hold of. No, no, and so yeah, I I, I don't think I'd be able to really recommend this movie to anybody. No, um, I I don't think I'd go that far. <laughs> it's nearly there, isn't it? You know, it's nearly the best movie we've seen on the podcast. Yeah, there's um, um at one point there in the palace, and there's like a portrait of Diana that looks really creepy and weird. Did you notice that? No, like, no, it's not an actual portrait. It looks like that fresco where the woman tried to restore the face of Jesus, but it's Princess Diana. <laughs> I'll have to go back and watch it and see if I can find it and send you a still. But it looked That's really amazing. weird, and like it was like a troll face Diana in the background. And then there was the whole <laughs> bit where the Queen shows them like a picture of some old royal person that I'd never even heard of, and she's like, "She was from Africa. That means we have African heritage." Lol, and you're just like, "No, no, no." incongruously fun queen that's not how it works <laughs> shut it down now <laughs> oh dear and that makes it okay that she's mixed race because we're african too yeah, yeah it, it was a bit until, weird uh, uh, like uh, th that implies kind of retroactively that it wasn't okay until that point well i, I think it's more that um the uh, i think it's more that um that they're trying to make her feel at home in that there is nothing that divides us. So you may feel as though there's this perceived division from our perspective, but in fact there isn't. And look, even in reality, um, there is a, um, 
there is uh, an African heritage to our family. Um, do, do you want a little history lesson, Paddy? Sure, why not? Uh, so it's is Queen it Charlotte. Hitler? It is not about Hitler. Um, <laughs> it, it's, it's Queen Charlotte, who is the wife of King George III. Um, so right. uh, she was a... Um, but she actually has her heritage um, from uh, either Africa or, or Arabian descent, uh, Arabic descent. Okay. Um, so she was a member of the Portuguese royal family who traced their ancestry back to Africa. Oh, um, so there, so there is actually some African heritage within the royal family, as it were. Um, but you know, it's not really that close to make a big deal out of it. Um, but but it is true that they that the the um, the painters at the time did try and paint out her her obvious African heritage um, because obviously they did yeah because, that's no surprise because that's how history works um, yeah uh, that everything in history is racist basically um, yeah you pretty think, much you, you think you know history no you don't look at what was cut out of history yeah that could be a whole other podcast series someone's probably doing that. Yeah, they they probably are. Um, I, I'm aware of like uh, lots of like websites that do the same thing. Um, but yeah, it's it's it, and it, it it is interesting and incredibly depressing to look at the way that history has been whitewashed. And and this is an example of it. And I and I did think at the time it's like you know that's actually you know fair enough that they've actually brought this up because it's an area that not many people know about. Um, yeah. and, and they actually had the, the, the gusto to say, yeah, and, and most of the portraits of her painted it out apart from this one, which is why it's my favorite. So it's it, a lot of it feels forced. That's, uh, that's the thing to me. It just felt forced. And, and a lot of it does feel For, forced, forced but, woke. But, but that kind of that, that particular scene was such a niche reference, um, that it felt quite earnest. And I thought, you know what? That's pretty cool that they put that in. They didn't need to put that in. Um, no, but they did, and you know, fair enough. Mo- There's a lot of stuff of that is... they didn't need to put in that they put in, like the entire movie. Like the we, entire did, movie. we did not need this movie. Like, like the fun queen, <laughs> like the or fun the queen. Prince Charles having a resemblance to recent Alan Partridge. <laughs> um, but but yeah, I I did appreciate that they put that that tiny little reference in. It's like okay, yeah, that's cool. Well done, guys. For, for putting that little part in and i wonder who decided that was going to make it into the final product because it kind of comes out of nowhere and it has very little to do with the main plot where the sort of yeah. racial overtones are very sort of like basic and then you do just get this tiny little niche element and you're like oh okay that's so, the thing yeah. to me it didn't it just felt like it was another kind of shoehorning in of racial elements but it was such the a timing of it and the yeah the queen's delivery and everything but it was such a, a a small, lesser known fact that it seemed as though someone really wanted to put it in there. It wasn't the same as these old people are racist. I'm mixed race and <laughs> yeah. that's weird. Um, it, it yeah. was something so specific that I thought that's really cool that they put that in. And people will come yeah. out of this movie and they'll actually learn something because no one no one shares that much interest in the the wife of King George the Third. No. Um, okay. Well, that's so, something. I yeah, guess they which, did which I research. appreciate. Yeah, which I appreciated quite a lot. That bit. Well, they managed to do a decent amount of research in the time that they had. Yes. Yeah. So that's cool. 
but yeah, at the same time, it yeah, it is it is quite boring and quite quite sort of serious in the wrong way and just yeah, not not that much, not that worth your time. But I suppose if you're re- if you're really into the royals, you probably would get a kick out of it. If you genuinely are enthusiastic about the royal family, you might enjoy it. You know, I'm not. I I don't believe fundamentally in the concept of royalty. I think it's stupid. But I'm not. You know, I'm never. I'm not like campaigning for us to get rid of the monarchy because there are much bigger issues around. But yeah, I'm just like kind of really disinterested in it. So maybe you know, like I like I always say, it's not for me, is it? This film is not for us. We're not the we're not the target audience, are we? No, and and it but it also isn't meant for people who are really really into the royals because they'll get infuriated at the lack of uh, specific details that are true. Yeah, so it's so they'll it, be it's offended those... by the portrayal of Princess Diana. Yeah, they'll um, the, the, it, this movie is for the kind of people that have a vague interest and a vague positivity about the royal family. Um, but kind of enjoy them in a trashy way, as if the royal family is the British equivalent of the Kardashians, um, yeah. which they kind of are in a way, I suppose. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. If if we had a, an actual version of the Kardashians, they'd probably be racist gammon creatures, um, and nobody wants that. Um, no. So so there, and so I I guess yeah, this this movie isn't necessarily even made for for British people, I suppose. No, it's not. Um, because our culture is so entrenched in the royal family and it's very sort of divisive between people who don't really care or people who care an unbelievably strong amount. Um, whereas those people that kind yeah. of... People around the world who see our royal family as a, as a novelty, they'll probably get the most out of this film. And I think yeah. that's probably who it's targeted at. A novelty, a curiosity, something that seems as far removed enough, removed enough from their own reality to seem like a good story in and of itself storified into a fun little package which is why yes. you know they, they were pushing this a lot more on the u.s lifetime network than they were on the uk channel yeah yeah exactly this movie's going to have the biggest impact with with u.s uh or, or other places around the world if you want a little bit of fun a little bit of nod to the weird english royal family and that's fair yeah. enough it does its job if that's what you're after it's a it's yeah. a decent enough thing and you might learn something about uh about uh, lesser-known queens of England in the Georgian era. Yeah. And you might find out how to be reincarnated as a lion, if you're lucky. I mean, I'd love to know that. That would make yeah. my day. That's the secret. That's the secret that we're all searching for. The lion life. Yes, exactly. Cool. Do you have any more trivia or anything? Uh, there, there is. I don't really have any trivia for this movie. Um, oh, what a surprise! <laughs> yes, it has literally only just been released, and um, it's relatively unknown. So I don't know how much trivia there will be for this film. Um, but yeah, here's some trivia for you. It's fine. <laughs> <laughs> All right how how shall we rate this? Uh, how many times have you been reincarnated as a lion? How does that work for you? <laughs> That works very, very well. Let's see. I have been reincarnated as a lion six times of a possible 20. Okay. Um, I have been... Where res- I actually can't remember what I gave Wills and Kate, but I think that is above Wills and Kate. You've I think it is as well. Still I low. Think... Still low, but I think you've managed to sort of talk me around as to some of the, the finer points of it. 
even though at first I felt like it was much more dull and boring. There is kind of a lot more elements of intrigue, and we've managed to discuss some more of it, whereas our discussion of Wills and Kate was very just kind of dunking on it. Yeah, I think there's more to talk about here, so at least it's got that going for it. Um, and, and yeah, I think our Wills and Kate scores were around like the four and five mark, weren't they, if not lower? We, we were not very I believe kind so, yes. of that film. Um, no. So uh, for me, I'm going to give this movie... Uh, nine lion reincarnations out of 20 wow um not because i think it's a great movie but i think that because it's a terrible film it's a it's a really bad movie but it yeah, it's objectively bad it entertained me in the same way that watching a soap opera is entertaining if you jump into it head first and have no idea about what's going on um it's it's got that kind of pastiche element to it um and there's lots of stupidity that you can hate but at the same time it seems as though it's self-referential enough to at least understand that it's a piece of crap um so so i was i was relatively entertained watching this i have no inclination to watch it again but it had a couple of interesting moments and the performance of uh megan markle was actually all right so nine out of 20 for me and I that's, think that's being fair. generous. That's being generous as well. Yeah, I think we've been kind to what is, you know, a trashy made-for-TV movie about a quite stupid subject. But it's, yeah, you know, it's there are, there are things to like and to enjoy about it. And understood in context, it does what it needs to do. Yes, exactly. It does, it does its job. Um, whether that job is entirely needed uh is another matter entirely would this world yeah. be better off without this film probably yeah that's the same the same as the question of the royals in the first place what have they ever done for us <laughs> oh dear exactly yeah you know, exactly. all i ever wanted was to eat some swan <laughs> all i wanted was to eat some swan and go walking around Buckingham Palace banging a drum. And I cannot do either of these things now. <laughs> I think we should take a lesson from the Harry of this movie and abolish the royal family. Yeah, he's got the right idea. He does. When he wants to destroy the institution of the royal family, maybe we should listen to the person who played Prince Harry in a TV movie. Yeah, he's he's an authority. He's done his research. <laughs> <laughs> oh, dear. Um, Alrighty. So what are we watching next? It's your choice. I it chose, is my choice. I chose this abominable nonsense. <laughs> <laughs> you did, you did. And and so like I don't know. No, but I, I, I like... think it's good to tie in with the royal wedding, especially as this will go out the day before the wedding. I think that's good that's good timing, it's good fun, you know. Try and keep things seasonal. Yeah, yeah, I think so. I think it's a good time to pick it up. And I was just about in the right frame of mind to to watch this movie as well. Um, so so up next, um, I'm going to pick up another request that we've had in for a movie to watch, um, and we'll be watching Lars and the Real Girl. Oh, okay. I yeah, I like Ryan Gosling a lot. I think I've seen it once, maybe, but I can't remember much of it. I think I saw it when it first came out, and I liked it. But yeah, good call. And it's it's interesting. Deals with quite difficult and interesting subject matter. Cool. That's a that's a good shout. Excellent stuff. Cool. As long as Lars does not refer to Lars von Trier, of course. 
<laughs> Lars von Trier in the real girl. He is the worst Lars, by far. You got it's Lars true. Ulrich. It's true. He's even worse than Lars Ulrich, isn't he? <laughs> yeah, and he's pretty bad. And he's pretty. He's pretty bad. Is old Lars? He's a s- small, angry man with too many drums to bang, <laughs> and he bangs them. Oh, true. The, in terms of the other Lars's that I can think of, you've got Lars <coughs> Lars Bender, who's a footballer. Um, Don't know. I, I'm, I'm not sure who he plays for at the moment, but him and his brother Sven are a pair of decent footballers. Cool. Um, I can't think of any others. I can't. I honestly can't think of any. My mind is drawing a, a Lars blank. Yeah, Lars Ulrich, Lars Bender. Listeners, so, if you have any other famous Lars that you want yeah. to let us know. We need to make a comprehensive list in time for next week's episode, so get it in. We need to make the Lars list. Hashtag yes. Lars list. <laughs> yes, Which takes please. over from hashtag justice for Fabrizio, because I feel like it's going to be tough for, to get him his justice, because oh. Apple keeps auto-correcting. I have an I have another one. I thought of another one. Go on. Um Lars Fredriksson, the um, oh, the singer of Rancid. Lars Fredriksson and the Bastards. Yeah. <laughs> he, he, yeah, he's a singer in in Rancid, isn't he? So yeah, that's another one. Yeah, yeah. That was the name of his side project. What La- Lars Fredriksson Lars and the Fredriksson Bastards. Lars Fredriksson and the Bastards. Yeah. That's amazing. <laughs> Very good. He's got an excellent mohawk. He does have an excellent mohawk. He's a good one. Very spiky. Looks like it could do some damage. And that's what you want from hair, isn't it? The ability to inflict physical wounds on other people. Yeah. That's the only reason I've ever grown a beard. You don't, you know, you don't know what's hiding in here. Got a bomb in your beard. Yep. Tiny, tiny knives. Yep. Well, it's a little, little, little tiny dark blonde knives coming at you. <laughs> little tiny starting to grey knives. <laughs> because that's what happens. <laughs> I found a couple. I found a couple. Oh no! This is, this is where it starts. Yeah, it's all downhill from here, Paddy. Yeah, downhill. Uh, on that cheery note, uh, thank you for listening, everybody. Yeah, thanks a lot for listening in. Um, this is the Big Boys Don't Cry podcast. You can tweet us at Big Boys Don't Pod. Email us at Big Boys Don't Cry Podcast at gmail dot com. Always love to hear from you. So, you know, got anything you really want to get off your chest? Have you ever eaten a swan? Tell us. We'd love to hear from you. Um, And yeah, rate, comment, subscribe, tell your friends, share it with people. If you like what we do, please do. You know, we want to get the word out. Make sure that as many people as possible contribute to the Lars list. It's very important to us. And let us just say, enjoy the royal wedding and have a wonderful weekend. Yes, have a wonderful time, everybody. Yeah. And good luck to Harry and Meghan. I hope they're very happy. Yes. Yeah. Best of luck to the pair of them. Yeah. Keep irritating the uh, Daily Mail. Yeah. And we'll be back next week to talk Lars and the real girl. Alrighty. Bye-bye. Right. Bye-bye. That's my impression of a swan. <laughs> <laughs>